Hi, Sherry here. I just wanted to drop in and give you a little heads up. This week, we're doing things a little differently. Instead of doing a traditional one-person interview, I am working on a new monthly series that will happen once a month called Topic Talk. Picking a topic and having between two and three other people join me to share their life stories around whatever the topic may be, whatever their experiences are. This particular week, we're talking about shame. And I have two incredible women, Jenna and Bentley, who are joining me. They're sharing from their heart the things that they've experienced in their life, both very different stories, very different perspectives, but in a lot of ways, shame connects us all, regardless of where it comes from. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Please look for it again next month, because as I said, we are going to try and do this once a month and pick a new topic. So enjoy this episode, and thank you for joining me again today. Stories, we all have them. They're the compilation of your journey from where you started to how you ended up where you are today. Titanium Blonde is all about sharing women's stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between all of that. I'm Sherry Eckert. This is Titanium Blonde Talks. And I'd like to know, what's your story? Thank you to our sponsor for today's episode, Synergy Soul. Are you walking the path of self-mastery? Synergy Soul provides personal guidance sessions and intuitive tarot readings in order for you to move forward with your personal growth journey. Owner and founder, Brittany Hugenboom, provides the highest guidance through the eye of source to assist you to being one step closer to mastering the self. Visit www.synergysoul.org to see how you can book a session or reading today. Thank you, Brittany and Synergy Soul, for your support of Titanium Blonde Talks. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks. Today, we're doing something a little different. I have both Bentley and Jenna here this morning to join me for a little conversation that we're going to call Topic Talk. And today, the topic is all about shame. So we're going to be talking about how shame has impacted each of us in their own way. Just going to be sort of a freewheeling conversation. So pull up a seat put your earbuds in because I have a sneaking suspicion it might get a little salty on the conversation end. And from there, we're going to go. Thanks, Jenna and Bentley for joining me this morning. Yeah, thanks, Trey. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Let's talk a little bit about shame. As women, people who associate as women, regardless of whatever their gender was that they were born with, I feel like we have a huge amount of shame that happens that's just societal that we have to kind of plow through that doesn't even take into consideration the shame that sometimes comes from family stories that get passed down from one generation to the next. How do you, so Jen, I'll start with you. How do you feel about when you first realized the shame and what was going on for you? Well, I don't think I realized or even was able to like label it as shame until within the last couple of years, you know, I'm 33 and it was probably in the last, I don't know, three, four years that I really acknowledged the fact that experiences I had growing up in a pretty religious home, the feelings that those experiences developed were mostly based in shame. I think that I was confused when I was younger, revolted a lot, but I didn't understand that what I was feeling was shame until much older, until I was much older. How about you, Bentley? 
For me, it's been it's been more recent. Um, I've been through some pretty big life changes within the past two years, I and mean, we'll dive into that. But basically, what it what it was for me, um, I felt after my during and after my divorce, um, there's a lot of shame that comes into oh, yeah. play. You hold a lot of guilt for obviously your families, for yourself, for people that you're affecting, because in one fell swoop, your whole world is flipped upside down. And then there's kind of a second part for me, which is now I'm in a relationship with a woman and I'm very happy. And there's a whole line of shame that comes into play with that. Um, And even though I did grow up in a very open and understanding household, parents were very understanding and they're still very supportive of, you know, where I am in my life right now. And that's beautiful. But when society starts to get involved, uh, (laughs) it causes a lot of you know, difficult moments. And it caused me to kind of bury myself and hide myself. And I'm I'm a very open person. I have no problem putting myself out there in most circumstances. I have, you know, <laughs> you, you can, I'm a social butterfly. You can put me down in any conversation and I'm happy to, you know, talk with people and get to know people. But all of a sudden I found myself kind of pulling away, right? Like, not communicating as much with people or just choosing to stay in rather than to go out or not put my story out there. And, you know, that underlying theme of shame is kind of that driving force behind those decisions. Do you think it hit your self-confidence level a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And that's a hard one for me because I, um, I think one of my best qualities, especially when I was younger, you know, when you're a teenager and you're trying to fit in and you want to be, you know, part of the popular crowd. And that was never that was never really me. I had no problem starting a new group of friends or, you know, just going out on my own path or doing what I wanted even when I was younger. And I remember my mom telling me, she was like, this is one of your best qualities. Like, hold on to this. And now here I am 30 years old. And I was like, I I feel the need to hide and run away and not talk about these things. And it was definitely a pretty big hit. Bentley, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, do you feel like you started reclusing and stuff once you came out or was it before? It was more before. It was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of both, but it was definitely while kind of everything was going on, I was terrified to go out. Like I just, I wanted to avoid having that conversation because I felt like I was in such a tumultuous place. I wasn't in, I wasn't on solid ground yet. And I think it's been much, it's been much easier. There's still different, like hard you know, Mm -hmm. things that made it difficult, like once I did come out. But I think it was more in that like middle ground, like I was separated for a while and people didn't know. And then Mm -hmm. I was, I had a girlfriend, but then some people didn't know. So I was like, I don't want to be out. (laughs) Yeah, I want to hide. And it was, Um, and it was so new to you too, like figuring out how you felt about the whole situation too. I'm sure. So for sure. I think too, I'm older than you ladies are. (laughs) It's that emotional intelligence that I didn't have for a whole lot of years. You come from a situation of my parents got married young. My mother was 18. My dad was 21. So I kind of grew up in this era of, I just knew that I was going to get married and I was going to get married young. And I was married at 21. I was pregnant at 24. And my husband showed up in the midst of 
uprooting our entire family for his job and told me that he didn't think he loved me anymore and he didn't think he wanted to be married and he didn't want to be a father and maybe we should put the baby up for adoption. And I was four months pregnant and I looked at him and said, it's a little fucking late for that. And this is the man who wanted to have children and wanted to have them young. So, you know, here I was at 24 years old. We'd been living together since I was 20. And my folks moved to Seattle from where we were living in Oregon. So it was one of those things where I had been living on my own. I had been, I'm the oldest and the only girl. So I was always treated at, and plus I'm, you know, I'm almost six feet tall. So I was tall for, I wore a size 10 shoe in third grade. Let's talk about shame. Wow. Kids were cruel. So kids were cruel. And I eventually grew into that height wise. And and of course I was taller than most, especially all the boys for a big part of my life. And you know, this was back in the seventies where they didn't have pants that were long enough. And so for me, I still have trouble wearing capris. You know, that's just like that (laughs) pant leg isn't long enough. (laughs) Well, and I wore shrink to fit Levi's because it was the only pants I could get that I could buy in an inseam that would be long enough for me. I know my mom used to have pants custom made for me because I too am tall. (laughs) I feel I feel the pain. Well, and I am so fortunate that my mother started me in ballet at four and I stuck with it until I was 22 because I never slouched. Thank you, Miss Anita, for yeah. constantly beating <laughs> yeah. into me. Stand up straight. I never, you know, I never did. I never did that. So that w- that was really helpful. But I look at things like that, and I think about all of that compiling up to the point of me then having to call and tell my parents we were living in Utah that I wasn't sure whether my marriage was going to make it, and I wasn't too sure what I was going to do. It was a really rough road, and eventually. I had to call my dad and he had to come and pick me up. And it, it was it was one of the most gut-wrenching things I have ever been through. And then came to a place where I didn't grow up, I didn't live, I came to live with my folks. And so I, I'd never lived here full time. Here I was, this 24-year-old pregnant and everyone's saying, so where's your husband? Uh-huh. <laughs> And just feeling so shameful of having to say, well, we're in the midst of a divorce, you know, well, thinking about the fact that he was having an affair with another woman and just how incredibly shameful and riddled with guilt I was from all of that too. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had my shit together and (laughs) 25 years later, I had a therapist (laughs) say, you know, You might want to go back and clean that up a little bit because it's still popping up after all of these years. And I thought, you know, I was one of those raised in one of those families where you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you didn't really ask for help. You, that's just not the way I was raised. And so it it was, it was a long, hard road. It was, it just think about that and just how much shame there is attached to getting divorced. I mean, I've been Mm -hmm. divorced now three times, the shame around that and comments made by people and comments made by my family that can make me feel like I, you know, like it's all my fault. I'm the one that that creates the problem. It's like, fuck that shit. (laughs) Yeah. So Bentley, let me ask you this. Sure. You, How long were you married? So uh, we were married three and a half years, almost four years. Um, but we, I started dating him when I was 18. 
And then we got engaged when I was 23 and then married at 26 and then divorced at 30. So bye. So, I mean, you guys, yeah. I mean, oh, I was going to say, and, and my first husband, I had known him since I was 15 years old. So, you know, you look and at we, stuff we like that. We, we yeah. went to middle school together. Yeah. yeah. And then started dating oh in college. Gosh. And it was kind of the same thing. Like, you know, I, that's, that was my expectation. Just grow, get, grow up, get yes. married. And the first kind of like thing, I think the first thing that sort of started some issues, I mean, it's definitely not like the root cause of a lot, you know, what happened, but I had, I was starting to realize that I didn't want kids. Oh. And, um, and it wasn't that I, I knew I, I wasn't like a thousand percent, like never going to happen. I just knew right. like, this is not what I want. I had no desire to even start thinking about it. I definitely did not have that maternal, like, kick coming in where it was like I can't wait to have a baby I was like I'm okay like yeah. I, just, I don't I don't want them you talk about shame your family wants you know you're a woman you're married when are you having kids and that's a whole com- that's yeah. a whole different conversation because I know so many friends Jenna who don't want kids <laughs> you know I know you don't yeah. and yeah. You know, I have other friends that are the same way or friends that are trying and they can't have kids and that crushes them when they get asked uh, you know there's yeah. this expectation like you're married. When are you having kids? And you're like, you don't know the story behind it. Don't ask. Yeah. Stop making, stop making it an expectation. And that was. But there's always comments about it. Like every always. family gets together. Every time you meet someone that you haven't seen in a while. Yep. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because that's where I started. I had a boyfriend in high school. We dated for three years and neither one of us wanted kids. I mean, he had a rough childhood. He didn't live with his parents a lot when he was younger. And so his whole thing about children, about fatherhood, about all of that was really skewed. And, and, you know, and I had two younger brothers and I did a lot of babysitting and I just didn't want kids. Mm -hmm. I, I really didn't. It took until we had a close call and I, thought, you know, we had an accident and I'd gotten pregnant and I came through the whole thing. It was a really emotional time period. My grandfather had passed away and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was like, I kind of, after going through that whole thing, I was disappointed that I wasn't pregnant when it was all said and done. Mm -hmm. We ended up, it took a year of trying before I actually got pregnant. I never, through everything that happened, I never really got to enjoy that pregnancy. It was everywhere I went, I was alone. I, you know, Mm -hmm. went to every doctor's appointment alone. It it was a tough ride, but Mm -hmm. in the end, I, my daughter was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. And she's been the best gift that I've ever had. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I had other men in my life who wanted to have more kids. And I was like, no, yeah, no. I'm good. <laughs> you know what? My max Stop. is one. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, one. That's okay. That's good. And, and you know, and there was a lot of pressure and you know shame around that. Well, don't you want to have a, a sibling for your daughter? Yeah, right. Don't want her to be in a blah. You know, be so it's just, <laughs> I think what I hear the most is like, who's going to take care of you when you're older? And I'm like, I feel like that's a really selfish reason to have children. Yeah, right. <laughs> It is. It, it's a terribly selfish reason to have children. And yeah. and you think you think about stuff like that and you think, really? That that's why yeah. you're gonna have a child? That's your yeah. reason. That that's your yeah. reason? I, I I don't it doesn't make any sense to me why that's why you would have children. You know, it's so I'm a grandmother now, she's two years old. 
And it's one of those things where my daughter was the best thing that ever happened to me. And this grandbaby is the light of my life. And so I I just, you know, she's like this little mini me in a whole lot of aspects, you know, and I was just reading this article where they were talking about how everybody in a family has somebody who's like their person. Mm-hmm. For me, it was my dad's mom. I think that I'm her person. She, you know, when her parents come home, she's like, don't, I, I want more and more to hold me. I don't want you to hold me. Yeah, not and, you. Yeah. <laughs> and I go to leave because I watch her every Wednesday and I go to leave and she's like, more and more. She cries. She doesn't want me to go home. It's like, and I feel bad for the kids, but I know that, you know, the minute I walk out the door, she's fine. They're but, fine. Um, yeah. But she's like my adventure buddy. We go everywhere together. You know, oh, we so go cute. and get hot cocoa and we go to the mall and go see Santa. Uh, And so I I look at stuff like that. And I think all of that shame that I felt for all those years Mm -hmm. that this tiny person, it was the same thing with my daughter. I never wanted her to feel that she couldn't be exactly who she wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I never wanted her to feel that once she got done with college, if it wasn't what she wanted to do, if she wanted to go uh, travel the world or do whatever, Mm -hmm. I kept telling her, you know what, before you get married, before you buy a house, before any of that shit, go travel the world. Go do anything. If, if you want to go and take, you know, learn how to take better photographs because she was a pretty good photographer, go do that. Do whatever yeah. you want to do before because, you yeah. know, she, she grew up with me at 24 years old as a mother. Wow. So um, it was really difficult for me. I mean, I flailed for a lot of years. So for me, it was like, sweetie, go and do, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. she looked at me at 10 years old and said, mama, someday I'm going to change the world. And I said, honey, I believe Aww. that you will, you know, oh, so. Those are the kinds of things that I didn't necessarily have as a kid. And those are the things that I want to make sure that my daughter and my granddaughter, especially is like, you know what? Don't let anybody shame you. Don't feel guilty about who you are, what you want to do about changing your mind, any of that, because boy, there's so much pressure. I just, yeah. So Jenna, talk a little bit about your religious background, if you're interested in doing that. Oh man, yeah, sure. So I so I my parents were separated. I don't know, I was maybe six or seven. So mm-hmm. at this point my um dad was LDS or he is LDS, he's Mormon. Right. And my mom was just like super Christian. And once they separated, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I feel like that was part of the problem. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And why they separated. (laughs) A little bit. Um, And so once they were separated, we were living like part-time with mom, part-time with dad, my siblings and I. And every Sunday we would go to dad's church for three hours. The Mormon church is three hours. Mm -hmm. And then we would go to mom's church for, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half or so. So I was like, Every Sunday, every Sunday, my God, just kill me now. Seriously. So like, I feel like I hit my church time early on. Like I banked my hours. You probably went to more church on one Sunday than I've been to in my entire life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like, just like the religion in general, being raised all the S and then once my mom had passed away, I moved in with my dad and it was full-time Mormon. Right. So that living in his house, that was the rule, right? You're Mormon, you're in it. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was baptized, went through the whole process and it never really connected with me. Like I went cause I had to, Mm -hmm. um, but just 
they're so much rooted in I feel like I should see I'm sh- I like feel shameful that I shouldn't be talking. like talking about this stuff right and so mm-hmm. but I feel like oh. my experience with it is there's so much rooted in that religion of controlling women and their behavior and the way that they dress and the way that they look and the mm-hmm. way that they speak I think it really fucked with me for a while I'm sure um, yeah so just like little things like growing up as a teenager like you can't wear tank tops you can't show your shoulders because mm-hmm. shoulders are sexy like I don't <laughs> Wait, was this from your mom's religion my my dad, dad, from, Mor- dad. from being okay. Mormon yeah yeah just modesty right like so they mm-hmm. want you to be modest and yeah you've seen yeah. my post that's not really my jam <laughs> it's interesting and I have a little bit of experience with the LDS because my best friend in high school was serious LDS. Mm-hmm. There were some things that I enjoy. I liked some of the things that they did around family, like there yeah. was things for kids to do and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting later in her life, her father was the, whatever they call the head bishop, of whatever. Probably. Yeah, the bishop. Yeah. And, her, mm-hmm. and he had to basically excommunicate her. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Because she was living with her boyfriend. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. And so uh, I look at it and I just thinking, oh my God, that is just like so much. So narrow minded. And like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, and you know, how, so when did you finally say I've had enough? So I lived at home until my husband and I were engaged. So I lived at home until I was, I want to say 20, 20, maybe 20 or 21, mm-hmm. I think 20. And then after my husband and I got engaged, we moved in, we moved in together. I want to say it was probably around 20. Um, so I, since I was living under his roof, I had to go to church every Sunday. So it was like this, it was like living two lives, right? Like I was going to church mm-hmm. because I had to, but had I was to. not Mormon. Like I was not subscribing <laughs> to this activity. Right? <laughs> Um, were, were you were you miserable? I mean, oh, I can't miserable. And this was like college years, right? So I'm partying yeah. hard on a Saturday and, night. On a Saturday night, church on exactly. So I'm showing up to church like hungover as fuck, like <laughs> miserable, like as if sitting through church oh, isn't gosh. miserable enough. Like you're yeah. now hungover, and I think I feel like my dad knew. He's like, this just got better. Sit and listen. Yeah. You sit yeah. Here. yeah. You're atoning for your sins. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't know if you're familiar, but in the Mormon church, they have the first hour is the first what hour. they call sacrament, sacrament meeting. Yeah. And so in the sacrament meeting, you take what is also referred to as like communion in, in other religions. Um, so but you only take it if you're like pure, right? Like if you have been obeying the mm. rules mm. of the religion, I don't even remember what they're called. So you see my face. yeah, yes, I do. And so they're like, even just in those couple seconds, like there's a moment of shame where you're like, everyone's looking at me. If I don't take yeah. it, the public then shame. They know. Public shame. <laughs> and if I do take it, I know. And if there is someone watching, he knows, right. or, you know, yeah. I mean? they know, Yeah, they know up there. So like, even like just the smallest little things that could have caused mm. shame. Wow. Um, it could have. <laughs> it almost <laughs> <leaves me> speechless. 
this is, I'm just having like images in my mind of like drunk college Jenna <laughs> in LDS church on Sunday morning. Yeah. And trying really hard to stay upright and not throw up while she's right? yeah. <laughs> but don't worry because I covered my shoulders. So <laughs> I'm out. Well, you know, I <laughs> I was raised Lutheran. Mm-hmm. And and we were involved in the church and, you know, I was an act, all of that in the youth thing. And at 13, I realized just how hypocritical mm-hmm. most of the adults involved in religion oh. were around me and how in church they were all pious and holier and now, and then they mm-hmm. would go out into the real world. And I would see them do and say things that were like, Excuse it really me. doesn't match up with the person that shows up in church on, on yeah. Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so I went home and told my mother and said, I'm not going back to church. Yeah. I said, I can't get on board with this whole thing. I said, I don't like people who use church to justify their shitty behavior. So I don't true. like people who use That's it as a way to true, yeah. judge and shame someone mm-hmm. else. I said, that just doesn't work for me. And my mom was like, okay. okay. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. And I, I you know, and- have that joy. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't have, I did not have that voice or the strength as a young woman to ever say something like that i just well i did think as I, was I, told. I think my mother knew that if she tried to to <clears throat> say no that i would say you know i'm gonna lock myself in my room or i'm just gonna climb out the window yeah. and run away and you won't know where i'm at it was just one of those things where it was like this is the most hypocritical thing i have ever seen in my entire life and mm-hmm. not that there aren't some people involved in organized religion who are wonderful human beings mm-hmm. who do wonderful things for yeah. other people yeah but it's not something that i feel the same way about the spiritual practice of yoga it is a very intensely personal practice. Mm -hmm. And I believe that you need to be responsible for that for yourself, for Mm -hmm. learning for yourself, for figuring out what makes sense at any moment in time in your life. That's reading, that's doing whatever. And you might believe something for a while and then learn something else or something changes or whatever. And so I believe that that's something that should be very, very individual and very, very personal and not something that I don't feel that I have not necessarily the knowledge, but not the, I don't, I don't have the right word to describe it, but it's not, Mm -hmm. that's not in my wheelhouse and it shouldn't be in my wheelhouse. That, Mm -hmm. that's not my thing. So I just, I look at things like that and I just think, and then I've had people say, oh, I can't come to yoga. It conflicts with my religion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really? Okay. Let's explore that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Bentley, you, you were not a church going. I, so my parents were, went to church, but not, I mean, my dad's Catholic and I actually don't even know what my mom is. Sorry, mom. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm so fired. Um, But I got, Sunday school as a kid and it was more for like I went because I was little and I hung out with the other kids and it was not a six hour a day thing (laughs) Um, it was like 45 minutes you know Jenna my my heart just aches for you you had to go through that Sunday fun day went to hell in your book Um, (laughs) that's why I make up for it now yeah right (laughs) Um, 
I was a kid. And now my sister, I have an older sister, just one, she's nine years older than I am. And, right. you know, same thing. My sister went to Sunday school. And then as, as we got older, she actually really enjoyed going to church. So she went mm-hmm. through her teenage years and her, and her young adult years. Um, she right. developed a really, really good relationship with her pastor and, and which was fine. Like, and she, gosh, probably went to continue to go to church well into her twenties, I would say maybe even to her oh, early thirties. Wow. Like, but, she, but again, she's not, I think she's a, to me, a, a better example because it was more about like becoming a good person. It was, she never turned yeah. into one of those. It was like, this is the way it has to be done. And I'm going to sit there and shove my beliefs down your throat kind yeah, of right. mentality. Right. She never had that. It was just, it was important to her at that time in her life. And that was fine. And thankfully, I, I mean, not thankfully, thankfully my parents didn't force me to, but I never developed that same relationship with it. Once I got older and I didn't have to go anywhere, I was like, mm, I don't want to go. My parents <laughs> were like, all right, we're all not right. going to make you. So that's yeah. it. Well, um, and so did your parents still go after that though? They did for from time to time, but then yeah. I, I can't even remember the last time when my parents actually went to church, but they're, you know, they still, my mom and I, both my parents believe in God and that's, I mean, and that's the thing and they're, they're happy and they're good people. And to me, that's all that matters. Yeah, and they I, gave me I, the space to choose see, what it is I wanted to do, you know? And so I'm yeah. very grateful that, that I had that, you know, when I go home for Christmas, it's still still talk about Jesus. You know what I mean? We still put <laughs> our major together and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I do it because it was my tradition when I was a little kid, I always got right. to put baby Jesus in the manger. And, <laughs> right. and I, Family's I, in I, charge I, of baby I, Jesus. I, I, <laughs> my mother were watching this. She would be like, yes, when I come home on Christmas Eve, I have to put baby Jesus in the manger. It's still, I still have to do it um, because it makes her happy. <laughs> Um, but thankfully I I had the space to really just kind of believe what I wanted to believe and they didn't force much on me, which was nice. And that was that. And they never really made a big, big deal out of it. So, yeah, I, I can remember being, oh man, uh, maybe 10 or 11 maybe. Mm -hmm. And my folks were trying out a different church and our next door neighbors went to this church and, I think it was, you know, I didn't really know enough about it at the time, but I think it was a pretty um, evangelical sort of church. But at the end of service, they said that you were not allowed to congregate with black people, with gay people, with all, there were all sorts of things. And I looked at my mother and I said, because I was in ballet and there were gay guys. I mean, it was mostly guys at that particular, all over the place. And, you know, my dad worked with people of color and it was just like, I looked at my mom and I said, mama, what are we going to do? And she was like, shh. And we got home. My mom's like, we're never going back. We're never going there again. And don't say anything to the neighbors. I was like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. But, you know, I, I look at things, I look back at things like that. And that was not how we were raised. That was not, I mean, my folks had my mother was poor. I mean, they, they had no money. I think that was a, an area of shame for her for many, many years. Her whole thing was not about making judgments about things like that. That's not how we were raised. And when I heard them saying that, I looked at my mom and I was horrified. She was like, just just hold on. It's going to be okay. It's okay. Yeah. But I mean, that, that was sort of when the wheels started turning. And then I realized that, I, you know, I just didn't need that in my life. And it wasn't too long after that, you know, after I told my mom I wasn't going, that my folks really kind of stopped going to church. They yeah. went for a little while when they moved um, here yeah. to, C- to the Seattle area. But 
not and it didn't last for very long and you know i got some pressure from my in-laws when i had my daughter to get her baptized and i was like you know your son isn't religious i'm not religious i'm not going to a church to get this kid baptized just to make you feel better make you happy yeah Yeah. yes you know both of my grandmothers she can well, yeah. I, yeah. And, and both of my grandmothers were involved in church life and my daughter would go and spend about a week with my grandmother in the summertime and go to, they had like Bible school during the summer for like a week and she would go and do that. And that was the most exposure that she ever had. And it was funny. We were at a, I think it was Christmas or Thanksgiving or something, some kind of a family get together and a friend of ours was there. And he said to my daughter, he said something about believing in God or something. And she said, she looked at him and very calmly said, you know, I don't really need that in my life. Yeah. I got everything I need. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't really yeah. need that. I'm good, yeah. I look at things like that and she's a very, she, she's like her father in that aspect. She's very analytical. She really looks at things and if they don't make sense to her, then she doesn't, doesn't. you know, I'm moving mm-hmm. on. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's just, it's so interesting to me that certain people need that crutch and you look at that they don't think for themselves. They mm-hmm. don't realize that in a lot of religions, it keeps women in subservient roles, which yeah. mm-hmm. that to me is like the most chafing thing ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the hardest part for me too. I think that, yeah. um, I think it's beautiful that like people have the choice, you know, I think mm-hmm. that everyone has, yes. like you had, like you had said that crutch, like I think that we all have a crutch, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. it's your yoga practice or it's going to church or, it, you know, whatever it is for you. And I think that that's great to have the freedom to choose that, but the differences in shoving it down someone else's throat versus mm-hmm. letting them experience and that, that and choose yeah. that for them. And that was why I got along so well with my best friend in high school. It's like, I understand that you believe in your religion and mm-hmm. I'm happy to do some things with you that, yeah. you know, go to the dances, you go play volleyball or basketball or whatever, but I don't want anybody to talk to me about becoming a member. I don't want to hear a word mm-hmm. about being religious. Yeah. If that's, if that's not going to work, then I don't have yeah. to go, but what's really, and she, and she respected that. So yeah. What's like really interesting for me too, is I kind of had the opposite experiences you did going, growing up in the Mormon church through high school. I, my best friend was always really, really curious about it. And oh. so I would tell her all the shit, right? Like, all of this <laughs> and, um, and it would usually just like blow her mind and she is still my best friend. But after, um, after graduating high school, she actually converted to two more. She married, um, she had a baby and married a Mormon guy and they are, they practice the Mormon religion and we're still best friends. And it's just like kind of the opposite experience, but she doesn't sit there and like shame me for my behaviors. Like she knows what she's getting with me at this point. And uh, I always felt other. I never felt like I really belonged anywhere. So like you, Bentley, I was like, Mm -hmm. I was fine doing my own thing. Yeah. Finding a different set of friends, hanging out with the guys or or whatever it was. You know, I did the whole thing with my ballet for so long. And some people thought that was really weird. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. But a lot of people thought that was very odd. And so, you know, I just grew up with that whole thing of like, I don't, in some aspects, there were times when I felt a lot of pressure to try and be like everybody else. But yeah. in other aspects, it was like, I, by the time high school rolled around, I was just like, can we just get through this so I can get can out of school? And this? Move on to the next <laughs> <laughs> high school. Oh, oh my gosh. 
I don't even want to talk about high school. (laughs) And I, and we, we moved. So I moved from the street that I grew up on. That was the street that was my great grandparents farm where I had aunts and uncles and cousins that all lived on the street. We moved to Eugene from there when I was a sophomore in high school. And that was, and I had to leave my ballet studio. It was one of the Mm, most, you know, it was so hard to do. So I was never invested in my high school when I got there other than, I met my boyfriend who introduced me to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And that was, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good little segue. <laughs> well, you know, let's, let's divert. Let, let, let's divert and talk about that. I mean, because you, you, you look at things like that and, and I was relatively young. You know, I was 15 years old. Yeah. I don't know how old you guys were, but that was like a, pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. And then later on, it was like, you know, I'm not sure I'm really ready for everything that goes along with this. But mm-hmm. you just, you know, once you kind of start down that road, it's a little difficult to turn. <laughs> a you, you can't go back to being yeah. a virgin again. No. You can't undo <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no, re- people, there's think no you can, but... <laughs> people think you can. People think you can. That's good. <laughs> um, no, I was actually, I developed quite older I and it's kind of like a tricky it's tricky for me to even talk about because I was partying a lot but I want to say I was 17 or 18 when I lost my virginity and I I really feel like it didn't even count like oh you know what I mean like at least the first time or two yeah it never really counts yeah I was like I don't really feel like that was sex Well, you know, and at 15, how much do you know about sex? I mean, yeah. I was like, okay, you know. You're like, I think yeah. this is what's supposed to happen. Well, and I, I, don't I, know. Had, I had a boyfriend who was two years older than I was. So okay. it was was not necessarily a bad experience, but it was a lot. I found, you know, later it was like, this is a lot to deal with emotionally. Yeah. Do all the other things and still trying to be a kid at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't, um, my experience was very different. Like I didn't feel like I was dealing with anything emotionally when I started, when I was sexually active, I didn't feel anything to be honest. Like it was just like, well, I think that, I think that these guys want this. So so. that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So it wasn't because you wanted to do (laughs) it. It was just like, that's what you thought they wanted Mm -hmm. to do. So Hmm, interesting. How about you, Bentley? I actually lost my virginity at 18 after I graduated high school. (laughs) I waited a long time. (laughs) Um, You know, and it wasn't, God, I'm like, I can't believe I actually have to go back and think about this. I know, right? Like, I feel like I, I like erased that memory. In in Maryland, where I grew up, it was after you graduate high school, we all go to Ocean City for a beach for senior week. I've, I've been there. It was at senior week. Great. I was like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do now. Yeah. Like I didn't, I wasn't like, I don't even, it wasn't like you had a burning desire to have yeah, sex. Yeah, I really yeah. didn't. And like all my friends had lost their whatever years before yeah. that. And at Same. that point I was like, meh, whatever. Yeah. So I just did it. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is what I'm supposed yeah. to do. I don't know. And then, <laughs> and then I kind of like, I spent a year after that. So that was when I was 18. And so I met, um, my ex husband now closer to when I was 19. And so I went like a couple months, like going out, partying, having fun. Yeah. Experimenting. Gosh, Bentley, our stories are so similar. I know. Right. <laughs> and, 
um, started dating him at 19 and that was it. I mean, it was him from then on, then on until now. (laughs) Times have changed. But I never, it was kind of at the beginning. I wasn't like dying, like going crazy, wondering what it would be like. I was like, all right, I guess the time's up. (laughs) I got to do this. I guess (laughs) I'm only getting older. (laughs) See what all the rage is all about. Right. And I was not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. But like sex wasn't, I didn't have like the talk and I didn't like, it was never discussed for me. Like even like my older sister, she developed a lot earlier on than I did. She was just very mature. And so she would talk about things and I would be like a little bit curious, but it wasn't ever, I didn't learn anything about it. Right. Like I didn't know what I was missing out on. I didn't know, like I wasn't looking forward to anything. So just like, okay, well, whatever. That sounds nice for you. I don't know. (laughs) So did, did you guys feel any shame around it at all or no? Um, I you just didn't, didn't really feel anything. I didn't feel anything. But like I said, like I was drunk or high. Like I was not yeah. in the yeah. moment. Like it was never like until my husband now, like it was never a real like true experience of like exploring myself sexually and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True it was kind of just like, well, we're partying. I guess we're going to fuck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's how that goes. <laughs> And Jenna wins the conversation. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I just, I, I think about, you know, like the slut shaming and, yeah. and the, how this whole culture of it's okay for guys to do it. And if they exactly. do something that's yeah. not necessarily with consent, it's okay. Cause they're just being boys. And being it's like, boys. Oh, boys. Boys will be boys. No, that's not okay. And two, a woman can have just as much control over her sexual life as a man can. And it could be about seeking pleasure because that's what she wants to do. But, you know, that's not the message that I ever got. So there were days I was like, well, maybe I'm not supposed to feel like this. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not supposed Mm -hmm. to feel good. Maybe I'm not supposed to want to do it. But I do. Right? We all do. So I just, it it was that whole thing around all of that in high school and there was the good girls and then there yeah. were the girls that were, the you know, girls. the sluts. I just, that whole thing never really made any sense to me. It, yeah, it's such a double standard and it's it is. just getting more amplified now. I can't, I can't even so? wrap my, I think so. I can't even wrap my head around being a teenager now. Oh no. I well, think so- I would have a heart attack. Here, here's a little, here's a little story. So my daughter is 32. So she came home. She was in high school. Uh, the back door slams as usual. And she comes in the door and usually it's mom, what's for dinner? I'm starving. Cause mm-hmm. she'd been at volleyball or softball practice. But this one was, she came in and she goes, mom, you're never going to guess. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Oh God. She's Mom's like nightmare. Yeah. Well, no, I, yeah. I told her, I said, honey, I've seen it all, done it all, smoked it, drank it, <laughs> ate it. There isn't anything you can do that I haven't, that I haven't done. had experience <laughs> with. So don't worry about it. Yeah. So, so she says, guess what the middle school d- girls are doing? And I'm like, oh, I God. have no idea. And she goes, they're sitting in the back of the movie theater performing sexual favors for the boys. <laughs> she goes, what do you think about that? And I said, well, my first question is, is, are, is it being reciprocated? 
Yeah, seriously. <laughs> right? And she, was, and she kind of looked at me and I said, because honey, if they're not willing to do that for you, that's Don't not what you want to be doing. And yeah. I mean, she stood there and she just looked at me. Shocked. And she's like, mom, they're doing it in the movie theater. And I said, well, honey, I said, you know, <laughs> you're teenagers. Where else are you going to do it? Granted, <laughs> granted I think that's a little bit young to try and process Correct. all of yeah. the emotional things yeah. that are going on with it. Mm -hmm. But you know, here's the deal. I just want you to know that as a woman, you have the right to enjoy yourself and you don't I just have it. to service the man. And she was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the best parenting <laughs> advice I think anyone could <laughs> ever give it. Where were you when I was Where younger? were you? <laughs> <laughs> I feel well, like my mom, however, would have given me the exact same advice had that's she been around. Yeah. She, had she, oh, had she known. Yeah. 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 My, I don't, think i don't remember but i don't my mother never we never had that conversation yeah i mean this I this was just from me going this feels good i like it yeah. i like it but um and luckily again. luckily my the guy that i was with for three years in high school who was you know we were we were in love with each other and and he was he was a good he was a good man in terms of that sort of thing so mm -hmm. i came away from that having fairly good feelings about all of that but you know there's there's a lot that goes on in life and you realize just how sometimes you make concessions in mm -hmm. your life that are and then you realize later that what you thought was good sex was not so good <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like, oh boy. My first, i feel like Bentley has something to say <laughs> my first husband not so much but um sorry you know, it, it's just, it's just interesting to go through that whole process. And then you get to a point in your life and you think in my life overall, I don't want to do anything that doesn't feel good anymore. So right. why not in know, a bedroom also? There yeah. you go. And you can either get on board with that or don't let the door hit in the ass on the way yeah. out. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Thank I you for your it. time. Thank you for your time or not. Gee, that was mediocre yeah <laughs> that was fine i, I feel but, bad for all of our past like people were referencing <laughs> i feel bad for past jenna like why were you settling <laughs> well you know i feel the same way it was like and though i did have you know some thought about what felt good and what didn't i didn't always realize that the guy wasn't going to step up and meet me wherever I was. Yeah. You know, especially the, if you're not talking about it. Yeah. It's true. So, you know, you look at stuff like that. And then when someone comes to you and says they're having an affair with someone else, and then later on you go, did they realize they probably weren't getting that great of a deal on the other side? But okay, <laughs> knock yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. It's true, though. It is. It is. So where else did you guys experience any shame in your life? Um, speaking of affairs, yes. I had one. <laughs> so that there, it's a very complicated, obviously, thing to go through and then to deal with the aftermath of it. Um, it's just two totally different experiences. But for me, you know, my, uh, I had an affair and I had an affair with a woman and, you know, it was, uh, you know, we're talking a little bit about like different physical experiences. And right. I mean, I, I obviously got married for a reason. I had no, I didn't get married to get divorced. I got married because mm -hmm. 
I was in love and I had a good husband and, you know, he's a good guy. Um, we definitely didn't end things very nicely, but that obviously has a lot to do with the affair. But I was looking back on it now. And I say this, you know, uh, eight months after my divorce, a year after my separation, if you would ask me this eight months ago or a year ago, it would have been a completely different answer. But I, I sit in a place now and I look back and I go, I was obviously missing something. And I guess, you know, the the biggest question I always get is people are like, well, did you know? I'm like, no, I really didn't know. I never, and I've had this conversation with many people and I, you know, they ask like, did you know that you were gay? Did you know that you were interested in women? And I always had a very strong appreciation for the female body. Like I could look at a woman and be like, wow, she's beautiful or something like that. But I never had that thought where I was like, I wonder what it would be like. You know what I mean? Like that's a different. I want that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this was a relationship that's that progressed with my best friend and it obviously became something physical and it went on for about six months until we got caught. And I was completely just, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I can come up with the words. Like my whole world had been flipped upside down mm-hmm. and, you know, in such a short amount of time, I'm going is this what I want? I obviously don't want to be married anymore. I'm in love with her. And, and I got to a point through a very like tumultuous time in my life. I mean, we obviously got caught and then we couldn't be friends anymore. Our husbands at the time, she's also married. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. Um, I need to write a book in case anybody's wondering. (laughs) Uh, came very it was a very scary time for me and it got very dark in my life because after we had been pulled apart from each other I'm in my head going like that's where I'm supposed to be with her like or or if I don't get her I'm supposed to be with a woman like I knew that's Mm -hmm. what I wanted but I went on for like another six months going like nope I'm a wife like this is what I'm supposed to be and I made a commitment and it just got to a point I was seeing a therapist. Thank God. I mean, that was life-saving. And I was like, just so I felt like I was being ripped in multiple directions. And I didn't obviously want to talk about my affair. I didn't want to tell anybody that my marriage was not doing well. So like I mentioned earlier, I went into hiding. Talk about shame. Like I didn't want to admit to anybody because nobody wants to air their stuff like that and you know say my life is a complete shit storm right now mm-hmm. so instead I was terrified I just I went into hiding or I went on pretending like my life was perfectly fine when I knew damn well it wasn't even close to a point where I wasn't telling anybody and I have very close relationship with my parents I wasn't I mean my mom knew most of the stuff that had been going on, not the affair, like nobody knew about that until it came out and I flew home and I showed up my, my parents door and I was like I got to talk to you guys. So (laughs) that was a fun conversation. But, but regardless of the situation, I mean, mine's very complex and it's very, there's so many factors that come into it. Um, You know, from the divorce and affair with same sex and all this stuff, the shame that just, I mean, just hovered over me like a dark cloud. It like, it, it just took control of my life because I was too afraid to admit who I was. I didn't want to tell anybody who I was. I didn't want to admit that I had failed like to me in my eyes I was oh, like, I there, was that's there it is right yeah, there like that, my marriage I understand was failing yep. and then here I am like I couldn't tell the world that I was in love with someone who I couldn't have 
And then I couldn't tell anybody that my marriage was falling apart. So I was just in this, like, I felt like a ping pong ball just Mm -hmm. all over the place. You know, that shame is a very controlling, just it takes such a strong hold on your life. And it just makes you, it made me want to crawl under a rock and stay there until I finally got to a point. I was like, I can't live like this anymore. I can't like, I've got to do something I've got to get out of here. I knew I knew in my heart that I shouldn't be married anymore because even if I wasn't going to be with her, it's not fair to him. And so, right. you know, he he too was unhappy for, you know, a number of reasons and I'm like, I got to I got to say goodbye to you, you know, so that you can live your yeah. life because we're clearly not working anymore, but you know, I had I had the the perfect little life, you know, online that everybody sees, right? The pretty pictures, everything looks wonderful. I had the big wedding, you know, my family adored him, his family loved me, and it all went to hell real quick, you know. And so the faster things were unraveling, the farther I was I was going into hiding. Yeah. So and that took a really long time to kind of dig out. And I still am, like yeah. little by little, like just starting to come into my own I mean I've been obviously through that and then my look has changed as well you know now I've got a couple tattoos which I wanted for a long time and I've got a mohawk which came came out of nowhere that was a long long process I I love the mohawk though thank you I get lots of compliments (laughs) Um, you pull it off so well it um was not an easy transition and shame makes you it makes you want to hide from who you really are. And that's not fair in this day and age because there's so many platforms and so many abilities just to be who you are now. Like they're really, to me, there's no excuse that you can't live the life that you want to live. When shame kicks in, it wakes up that inner mean girl and you have Mm -hmm. all of those shitty little conversations with yourself about just how you're a failure mm-hmm. at life. You're yep. a failure. Everybody else is, you know, doing okay. And yeah. you're the only one that's fucking up. Yep. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's been a lot for me because mm-hmm. I haven't necessarily made good choices with the men in my life. Some of that was old stories. Some of that was family mm-hmm. stories that, yeah. you know, I really, didn't need to own for some reason i decided to own them and so i think about that stuff and just realize how much time i wasted Mm -hmm. on shame and guilt and fear and sadness Mm -hmm. and all of that and then to have someone that you truly (laughs) love look at you and say well you can't hold on to a man oh gosh well okay Thank you for that. First of all, that's not my life mission. <laughs> well, and the first yeah. thing I did was just retreat because yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I can't believe that this person is saying this. To yeah. Me. yeah. And then, of course, then it was like, well, maybe I am, yeah. you know, just. Then not. you start to play all these. You do start games. to believe in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, those those kinds of things just. Ugh. And that wasn't that long ago in my life. There there were a lot of things that I did for certain reasons. I mean, I spent 13 years with a man because I didn't want another man to leave my daughter's life. We mm-hmm. owned a home. We had cars. Mm-hmm. We took the trips. I mean, it was it was all of that. And even though I knew that he sort of had one foot out the door 
and he was a very emotional he was an a he was a emotional controller okay and you know coming out of that whole thing was devastating for me i mean i had mm -hmm. to give up my house i mean my life went from this big thing to you know a little tiny space and me that too. was really hard really really difficult for me mm -hmm. however i have to say and it's it's been almost 10 years i have to say that while there's been some really difficult growth periods in there and some periods of really feeling a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of just really like you said the very very dark mm -hmm. side mm -hmm. there's been some tremendous growth and it's been this whole thing of i've always been self-confident to a certain extent but not always did I have the self-esteem to back up the self-confidence, which was an interesting dichotomy to kind yeah. of work through, you know, to come to this point now where it's like, you know what, I am no longer kicking ass and taking names. I'm just kicking ass and I need you to know my name because um, th th this is, this is, I'm, I'm all done a roster. with it. Yeah. 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 It, it makes it difficult because I... <laughs> Even so I'm, I'm the business manager of, of a health club here and, and teach there as well. Mm -hmm. And the one of, so it's an owned by a husband and wife. And she looked at me one day and, and I said, we were talking about, I don't remember we were talking about dating or something. I said, you know, I just haven't been able to find a man to keep up with me. <laughs> she looked at me and she goes, you're a very powerful woman. Yeah. yeah. I love and that. I was like, okay. And it took me a while to kind of process that and because i am no like you bentley i am not shy and retiring i wear you know spiky short blonde hair i wear wild yoga pants with harness boots i mean mm -hmm. it, it's just all of that and i've yeah. had more than what a, a person i worked for before she's like sherry you walk into the room and everybody notices you mm -hmm. and i'm like no they don't she's like oh yeah they yes, do, they do. i'm like no they don't she's like yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. And it's more than just your height. It's your, it's the way you carry yourself. It's the way if that you like, are confident you with yourself. Well, and see, and that's something I didn't realize either until yeah. I went to work for a company that was a startup and it was mostly young people and it was in the fashion industry. And my girlfriend said to me, she, she said, Sherry, she said, you walk through the door, your head is held high, you're tall, mm. you're confident. She said, you're intelligent. And she said, and you don't take any bullshit. And she said, yeah. and that's plainly clear in how you carry yourself. Yeah, and she said, and that is threatening to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And she said, that's why they're treating you the way that they are. And, and she said, they're trying to break you. And, and yeah. she said, they're trying to make you dumb it down. They're trying to make you whatever. And she said, you need to get out of there before it mm -hmm. makes you just physically ill. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it was like, I never really, that didn't really, no. it, it took that. And that's only been five years ago for me to kind of go really, okay, I guess she's yeah. right. But, but it is, it's like, we're like, no matter like the more confident you are in the way that you carry yourself, like, I feel like people are always trying to like fan your flames, like get you lower, oh, oh yeah, dim your yeah. light a little bit and bring there you down is. to their level. But yeah. on the other hand, they're over here wondering, how do I get like that? How do how I have do, that yeah. confidence? <clears throat> how do I walk so proudly and be so like bold in who I am, but I'm not ready to receive you that way, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just bring Absolutely. you down for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's really <laughs> threatening to men and it's like, I don't want to mm -hmm. be the man in the relationship, but, and, and I know that we're never going to be truly equal because women are just physically different than men are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But 
I want my partner to walk next to me. I want my partner to see me be able to stand up for myself and stand there and be proud and go, like, yeah. that's my lady. Yeah, you know, exactly. she, she's, yeah. she's doing her thing. And, yeah. and I know that if I should need that person to have my back, that he's there. Yeah. But you know, I, I, <laughs> my, my, my badge at work has my name on it with badass underneath it. Uh, <laughs> I, need, I need one of those. I, I, one of that. I know. And, and whenever somebody has done something to, you know, one of the employees, whether it's somebody at the front desk or whatever it is, you know, it, it's me that comes through and says, this is not okay. You know, this is not the way we do this here, or you're not allowed to say that or whatever. They like to watch me get spun up when I have to deal with vendors who don't want to do what they're supposed to do. And a lot of them will say, can we come in and watch you while you yell? Right, yeah, you know? watch you work. <laughs> In a little badass sure. apprenticeship. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but I mean, I've had so many people. I mean, I worked in the tech industry before women worked in the tech industry. Wow. And I mean, not necessarily. I started out in a support space. But I mean, I've built computers from parts. I've pulled wire. I've installed networks. I mean, I've worked with a lot of men over the years mm -hmm. and had some really great mentors in that. And also had some spaces where I had to deal with men who just were not happy that the mouthy blonde woman was telling them what they could and couldn't do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's been a lot of shame around that and applying for jobs or going in for job interviews and mm -hmm. basically, you know, being told I need to dumb it down. And it's like, really, mm -hmm. that's what you're going to tell me. Yeah. I, I, you know, I did have one man who actually interviewed me and said, he goes, I hope you realize how incredibly rare you are. And I'm like, why? Yeah. And he's right. like, he said, Jerry, he said, you are a left brain, right brain thinker. And he said, and there's not a lot of people in the world that can do that effectively. Wow. And, you know, with as much ease as you do shift mm -hmm. between the two. And I was like, okay, does that mean I get the job? Yeah, right. <laughs> you Where's my contract? Yeah. That whole thing is just so, and like, I'm, because I'm a different generation than you guys are, I, you guys probably have a little bit of a head start in some of this stuff, but a lot of this stuff was, I, it was an intrinsic thing inside that I didn't have words to be able to verbalize or to be able to, when someone said something to me or did something to be able to stand up and say, no, you can't do that because mm -hmm. I felt I had to to blend into society or do what was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I have a temper. I get yeah. angry and mm -hmm. women are not allowed to be angry in society. Mm -hmm. um, they're not allowed to express their anger. And so there's a lot of shame sometimes put around the fact that when I get pissed off, you're going to know it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I've had some vendors say, you know, I hope you never get mad at me like that. Well, then don't fuck up again. Well, then don't I screw up. up. Now, now you're warned. And then yeah. You don't have to worry about yeah. it. Yeah. But Sherry, I think that a lot of that, like, um, ability to stand your ground and to be vocal like that, I think a lot of that comes with age, too, and, like, your life experience. Yes. Because yeah. I've noticed, like, in the last, like, two years, even for me, like, after turning 30, I'm like, I don't know who this woman is, but I really fucking like her. Like, she's yeah. strong. She's not afraid to, like, say what's on her mind and to stand up for herself and stand up for what's right for other people. And it's been really neat to, like, watch that even just within myself. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, so I think that that's part yeah. of it, too. Well, and, yeah. and I did, you know, for me, the biggest thing for me is that I cannot stand when someone else purposely 
tries to make someone else feel less than or tries to make them to shame them or make them feel bad or and you know i'll be the first in fact sometimes i find it easier to stand up for other people than i do for myself it's like that to me is like and some of that you know a long time ago i can't even remember how long ago it was there was this astrology book that was a the big book of birthdays oh yeah and it had whatever your birthday was and and your birth date had a specific thing and mine yeah. was the benevolent queen with the lion by her side mm-hmm. who takes care of wow. those who need it and that was i was probably maybe 20 when i saw that and that impacted me so hard that i didn't realize it until later just what that meant. You know, a lot of times, like I said, I worked with men and there were women in support roles and those men treated those women like shit because they were secretaries or support staff. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, you don't get to talk to her like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It took me until I was 48 years old to be able to finally go, you know, you don't have to try and keep anyone else happy. All you've done for most of your life is to try and keep everyone else happy to be the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, girlfriend, employee, sister, mother, whatever it is. And in the midst of all of that, you've been miserable your entire life. That's exactly how I kind of felt like with my transformation, if you want to call that. I had realized, I go, I like I was saying the shame was making me feel very diminished. Like I wanted to hide. But I go, I sacrificed so much to try and make everybody happy. It was like the shame was like, you can't, you can't do that. You can't make this choice. You can't leave him. You can't tell anybody about your affair, dear God, you know, forget about the shame that comes with that. But it was, I was so convinced that I had to keep everybody happy. Or if I did come out and say, these are the things that I've done, or this is what I want, that it wasn't going to pay off. Like, you know what I mean? I, I have, was only making those choices because I had to keep everybody else happy. I wanted to yeah. keep my parents happy and I wanted to keep my husband happy. And I was convincing myself that I was happy, but I'm like, yeah. no, I sacrificed my happiness to by keeping my mouth shut. I'm like, well, and oh. were you worried that people weren't going to love you the same Totally. Way? Totally. And I knew like I started to like tell friends here and there and people were obviously figuring it out. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what was going on. But (laughs) I was nervous. Like I have a, you know, I have great parents, but who knows? I have friends that have come out and their parents have completely disowned them, disowned them, kicked them to the curb. They don't exist to their anymore. And I go, I was like, I I can't ever see my family doing that. But, but never say never. You never know, yeah. you know, and I have, I kind of got sad because I had a conversation with my cousin recently who I'm really close with. And I go, you know, over the past year, I had felt like some of my family members had started to kind of pull back from me as well. And I go, you know, I only see them once or twice a year, but I was really scared. And I didn't know if I was just getting in my head. I'm going, okay, yeah. are they just talking to me yeah. less? Like, is that yeah. is it just me convincing myself that they're talking to me less? Or oh are they yeah, the gerbil away from the ger- me? I call yeah. that the gerbil on the wheel brain. You know oh that god, gerbil gets in there and, and, and <laughs> oh my god, those conversations yeah. make you a fucking nutcase. And she looked at me and she was like, even if they did, that's even if they said we don't ever want to talk to you again, we don't agree with your life choices, or you know whatever it is, that's you have to. That's their choice. Yeah, and you have to be able to move on from that. And she goes, "You're wrong, by the way. They love you very much, and (laughs) they I'm going to see them at Christmas, and they, you know, they love you, and they can't wait to see you." So that was me just playing mind games with myself, creating stories, exactly. Which I'm Mm -hmm. the queen of doing that. 
Yeah. Well, we, I think we yeah. all are on a certain yeah, level, right? Are. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the root of all of it, it was very much realizing I have got to stop sacrificing myself in lieu of doing what I think is right for everybody else. Because one, you're yeah. never going to make everybody happy. It's impossible. No. So, and at the <clears throat> forefront, you should be putting yourself first. first. And it's yes. not selfish. And I don't know why society thinks doing that is selfish. It's okay it's, for men to do it though. Yeah, but it's not but okay. But it's for not okay for women. Yeah. And I was yeah. and I, I finally got to a point I was like to hell with this. Like yeah. I want to live my life. I want to live yeah. my life and this is what I'm going to have to do. And you know, if people aren't okay with it, people aren't okay with it. And it, it goes along with your, life. Yeah. yeah, and it well, goes along with your mindset. Like you're obviously such a powerhouse and you just pave your way to do like you stand on your own two feet. You do what you feel is right. You have no problem telling someone this is not how I want it done, you know, and it's the same mentality. Like I need to be able to continue my life, living my life, making my choices, going like, this is what I want for me. This is what I think is best. So on and so forth. So, but it, yeah. it took me a long time and still, yeah. I, I still have moments where, oh, you yeah. know, when, when the judgment happens, I have to take a, a deep breath because sometimes yeah. it spins me up again. And then I say, you know what, that is a reflection on the person that's saying that, that's making yeah. the judgment, that's doing that. It's not the reflection on me. And if the people who truly care about me mm -hmm. can accept me for who I am, then I, this is not where I belong anyway, that I'll, I'll never, be, I'll always be that square peg trying to fit in that round hole. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, I, I can't go back to being miserable. I just, I, you know, 48 years is too long to spend being miserable. And I know in doing this project that I did, that I've met women in their sixties and their seventies who have spent most of their lives yeah. trying to keep everybody else happy, happy. besides yeah. themselves. And it's it like, my mind. and they, they've, they've lost their dreams. Mm -hmm. They've lost what they're, what they were passionate about. They, they are, they, they, they haven't done certain things that they wanted to do because it wasn't right or acceptable right. or the right yeah. time or whatever it is. And then they think that it's too late. And my thing is, is that, you know what? It's never too late. As long as you're still mm -hmm. breathing, it's not too late mm -hmm. to make a different choice, to live your life a different way and to follow your heart and mm -hmm. be fully exactly who you are and love yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as women, we have such a hard time with that. It, yeah. and, and society has pitted us against each other for so long mm -hmm. to have the man, to have the house, to have the kids, to have, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And there's more to life than just that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we don't have to compete with each other. And here's the other thing. I think that men are scared shitless when women to get together as a group and realize as a power, mm -hmm. right? That they have power together, that as long as they're not trying to pick each other apart and make each other feel shitty, that mm -hmm. when they truly come together and use their power together, we can change the world. And that scares the ever loving shit out of them because mm -hmm. yeah. the patriarchy doesn't want to give it up. But if you look at what's going on politically, not just in this country, but in yeah. other countries in the world, you know, I, I believe, you know, when I was doing my teacher trainings, 18 years ago for yoga we had a guy that came in to talk about Patanjali and and mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time with that and we had a conversation later and he said you know what Sherry he said I believe it's a pendulum mm 
on one side is the masculine on the other side is the feminine. And he said, we've been so far over in the masculine for generations. Mm -hmm. He said, but it's finally starting to swing back towards the center. And he said, and it's never good to be too much on one side or the other. And he said, we're starting to swing back to the other, but he said, I'll tell you what, he says that masculine energy is not going to give up the ghost easily. He said, it's going to be a big fight and it's going to take a long time. And he said, but I'll tell you what, he says, the feminine, he said, women, he said, they can, they can ride out shit that nobody else can ride out and Mm -hmm. just keep in there, keep hanging on, keep doing it. And he said, he said, I think in your lifetime, you're going to see a change. I said, well, God, I hope so. (laughs) It's around the corner. (laughs) It's only a matter of time. It's, it is only a matter of time. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you um, making the time to talk about things like this that I feel are so important and things that I think there are a lot of people out there that have these feelings that have been through some of this stuff Mm -hmm. and it's wisdom that just, it might not seem like it's wisdom to any of us, but one person hears that one thing and it changes their life and they realize that they're not alone. And that's the biggest thing is that, you know, we, we are not alone. So I'm going to hit you guys up for another topic talk. We just have to come up with what the next topic is going to be. Perfect. (laughs) They're only going to get better and better. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Great. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for joining me and I'll see you both soon or I'll hear you both soon. Yeah. Thanks lady. (laughs) Awesome. Bye. That wraps up another episode of titanium blonde talks. Thank you for joining me today. And I want to again, thank both of my guests, Bentley and Jenna for so graciously stepping forward and moving outside of comfort zones to share some deeply personal experiences with the topic of shame. It is one of those things that a lot of people don't talk about. And it's one of the one things that we really need to bring into the light and speak about to let people know that they don't have to suffer alone, that there are other people that are experiencing some of the same things that they are, and that it's okay. And it's okay to love yourself. And it's okay to take care of yourself. And it's okay to not allow yourself to be trapped by shame. We will be doing this again next month. We're looking to make this a regular monthly series. We have a new topic for next month already. We're going to be talking about body image. So I hope you'll join us. You can leave us a comment. You can send me an email at titaniumblonde1 at gmail.com with any sort of a topic that you'd like to see covered. And I'll do my best to make sure that happens. Next week, I do have another interview, single interview up on tap. And this woman is going to blow your socks off because she rocked my world. And we just touched the tip of the iceberg with her interview. I hope you will share the podcast with your friends and I'll be in your ears soon.